and welcome to another episode of Relatively Relatable. I'm your host, Sarah Chappay. And I'm your other host, Jake Cooley. The Relatively Relatable podcast is a weekly podcast about life, trends, and advice from two people who have no business giving it. Relatively Relatable is brought to you by Blank Slate Link. And to find out more, you can head to our Instagram page at Relatively Relatable Pod. So, Jake? I have a feeling that you are a lot more excited about this one than I am. Um, I am. I like this. Mm. But I have a bone to pick with you first. <laughs> Great. I can't I wait a, to do this on air here. <laughs> I had a listener DM me about the casket gasket debate. Debacle, right. I should say. Okay. And that it's... I am wrong. Yeah. I wasn't nervous that you were going to say you were right. <laughs> but there is an argument for my case. Okay, let's hear it. So apparently this listener's father is a priest. And uh, they said that they are legally required to crack the seal or break the seal of the casket before they put it in the ground. Because otherwise the body gases make the casket explode. Interesting. So they sent me a Washington Post article on it. Like there's valid facts and figures Mm. to this. Okay. Granted, I did not know that when I was going around saying this, but I feel like I'm a little validated now. So they have to, before they put someone in the ground, they have to open the casket to let the gas out. And then they close it again. They like break the seal. That's what what they told me. And I'm going to be real. When they close it again, doesn't it just seal again? No, I think like sealing it like pressurizes it. I did not read the article. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You sound like a conspiracy theorist. Once they told me that I was low-key validated, I was like, that's definitely good enough for me. Well, the funny thing is, for there to be a seal, there would have to be some sort of gasket, probably. (laughs) So, I guess we'll have to do some research on the anatomy of a casket. I'm going to Google casket, gasket. Hmm. Maybe that'll be a follow-up episode. Casket industry products. Oh, yeah. They make gaskets for caskets. (laughs) This is incredible. You could really blow both of them if you're mad enough. There's a rubber gasket to keep elements from entering the casket. Mm. So it would still be the gasket was blowing. (laughs) So you're not really all that validated. You're like one step removed. That's tough. That's tough to come back from uh, because I was pretty excited. If I would have read the article, maybe I would have been prepared, but... Yeah. Most sealed coffins are made of metal with a rubber gasket that goes completely (laughs) around the edge of the lid of the casket. (laughs) Cool. So there you go. Cool. Cool. So close. For everyone who is wondering... Um, now you know that there's a gasket in a casket that keeps it sealed. So it doesn't blow. So it doesn't blow. 
Maybe there is some, That's you know. That's full circle, um, I feel, at least. I mean, you, I think you can make the argument. Like, maybe the first person that ever said that didn't yeah. know how the gasket system worked and they just said the casket blew, you know? Or maybe that's what they originally were saying it for. Yeah. Though I don't think like the very first caskets had gaskets. <laughs> so. Fair enough. You'd think that someone would be able to deduce what was going on here. It's too bad. Is it fun talking about things like this to someone like me? Uh, mm, you can say no. I, I just, mean, if I'm right, it's fun. But yeah, when fair. I'm wrong, I'm never just like a little wrong too. Like I'm really wrong. Mm. That's not usually fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, Stefan is the same way. Like... I'm very good at being like work workarounds and like ex- making people feel good and explaining how it, they could possibly got to that point mm-hmm. or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm really good at BSing and uh, Stefan's like, no, nah. like he won't ever let me wiggle my way out of it. Right. It's just like, no, you're stupid. <laughs> he doesn't call me stupid, but it's like, no, you were wrong. You, what you said was wrong. And I'm like, okay. It always reminds me of the way that I feel about things. Reminds me of the scene from Parks and Rec um, where Andy is like, do we get to go visit Hogwarts? <laughs> and Ben is like, Hogwarts is a fictional place. You know that, right? It's important to me that you know that. That's how I feel sometimes. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I need to tell people that they're dumb. It's like, it's important to me that they understand the truth. That Hogwarts is fake. <laughs> yeah, like, it's important to me. I feel like I'm doing them a service by letting them know so that next time they don't make the same mistake. It is. Yeah. Because I feel like had someone told me early on, it's not casket or been like, you're saying gasket, right? Before I was well into my twenties, it would have saved me a little bit of embarrassment. Yeah. Do you, you you feel like this one thing has embarrassed you a lot of times or just the one time embarrassed you a lot? Just the one time embarrassed me a lot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because now since I say things so bad or wrong phrasing, people tend to do this to me where they, I'll say something like one time I said, this girl I know is going to court and Stefan said, what's court? And I said, court, like a, like a judge and a jury. He's like, huh, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> and it was right when we were dating. So I didn't really know if he knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So now people that do that to me a lot. You had come up with a new word. Yeah. And so when Ashley said the stork thing, that's why I was like, crap. <laughs> or like when I tried to tell you that there's not always 31 days in October. Yeah. Because for a split second, it's like, I am wrong a lot. Well, oh. I think, I think to make you maybe feel better about that, people that are right a lot have similar thoughts. <laughs> like if you, if you, if you cross someone who is usually right, 
There's like a thin line. It's like a thin line of confidence between like, yeah. no, I'm right. And you're like, wait, is this the time that I'm, that I'm not right? Yeah. This happened. That happens to me. Like I, I tend to try not to say anything about anything unless I'm like 90% uh, yeah. sure, you know, yeah. I don't go out on a limb often. Oh, I just do to all save the time. My, to save myself the embarrassment. Yeah, even if the limb is like really kind of sketchy and it's looking like it's going to snap, I'll go stand on that with my full weight and say it with my full <laughs> chest and be well, wrong all like the time. Like tw- a twig-sized limb. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like the time I, uh, like last season when we were talking about CrossFit and their downfall, I brought up the Bon Appetit scandal that was going on too. And I said, yeah, they don't pay their uh, people of color. And Ashley and Stefan looked at me and they're like, they don't pay them at all. And I was like, uh, no, they like pay them their salary. And they're like, you can't just say that stuff. <laughs> right. And I was like, no, like I have to explain it. So I kind of just, I'm here for, I'm here for a good time, you know? Well, maybe one of these days you'll make some outlandish <laughs> statement and it'll just stick. And then people will just know you as the person that was right. The problem is, though, you'll need to know that that was your one one in a million shot. And you'll need to stop talking completely after that. Completely, yeah. You won't be allowed to say any more things. Yeah, that's true. That'll be tough for me. So. Speaking of outlandish things. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good segue. That was. Nailed it. I uh, am excited about this one, but it's a little different than last year's episode. Okay. So last year, for our fans who've been with us for a full year now, happy one year anniversary of this episode. Really? One yeah. year? Well, I don't From know if it's to the con- date, oh. but okay. well, uh, we right around also, home. Also, just thank you for being here for a year. Yes. Man, Montana. I didn't even know if I'd be here for a year. <laughs> Uh, we last year did a conspiracy theories episode for Halloween. And so we thought, why not round two conspiracy theories? Cause they seem to be plethora on Facebook right now. They're definitely rampant right now. Yeah. So, uh, we decided to go through the conspiracy one one Uh-huh. What, what makes it a conspiracy? How do they start? And then kind of yeah, deep dive I think- into it. I think the phrase conspiracy, like the term conspiracy theory has been sort of overused as well. Mm -hmm. Like people will just, will label their like weird opinions about things as a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Yeah. So I do think it'd be worth the clarification. Yeah. So as always, I did a little research on our definitions. Ask Jeeves. buckle in. Yeah. So the, what is it called? The Britannica? I think it's Britannica. Okay. I was close. Uh, Definition in like the Merriam-Webster definition. I have both of them. They are very similar, but they kind of uh, split in like how they happen. So first is that a conspiracy theory is a belief that some covert but influential organization is responsible for a circumstance or event. So for example, how people think that the Illuminati, AKA every famous person in the world is in charge of the new world order. 
Right. Uh, the second definition is conspiracy theory increases in prevalence in periods of widespread anxiety, uncertainty, or hardship as during wars or economic depressions and in the aftermath of natural disasters like tsunamis, earthquakes, and pandemics. That directly answers one of the points that I had outlined. So we Perfect. can come back to that one. Yeah. Um, so that can be, you know, like 9-11 happened. JFK's assassination is a big, another big one. Those are two big conspiracy theories. Um, I've heard conspiracy theories about tsunamis and earthquakes, which I have a hard time believing because the earth moves for those. Don't. I see your face. Don't. What do you mean the earth moves for them? Like the earthquake, like the earth like shifts in a very specific uh, way that a scientist would be like, no, that was an explosion. Well, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> okay, I'm going to gloss over that for a second. Um, I think the theory is not like, the theory is that most people in the world didn't witness it. Yeah, okay, So sure. like... Basically, people that believe that also subscribe to like every every piece of news is fake because, and this isn't like the hashtag fake news thing. Yeah. It's like literally don't believe anything that you don't witness firsthand. Yeah. Like the moon landing. No one was actually there. That's the, the theory. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the theory, but that like I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to like save you from saying things that people will think, "Wait, she actually wait, she's actually saying no one was there?" <laughs> no. The theory is no one was there. Yeah. Okay, so that's like the pretty good uh, definitions I thought. Those were mm -hmm. it covered the basis. I agree. Of what of what a conspiracy theory is supposed to be. Now, if what people are saying conspiracy theories are in today's world, I don't know if they necessarily always fall under that. Yeah. Which I'll kind of get not. into also. Okay. So how do conspiracy theories start? I thought was really important to go over as well because I feel like sometimes they just pop up out of nowhere and we're kind of like, where'd that idea come from? Especially with the internet now, mm. like before mm -hmm. the internet, I feel like a conspiracy theory really had to have some meat to it for people to think like the JFK assassination. Right. People really had to think this was odd enough and there's not enough evidence for like it to be kind of widespread. And there wasn't like a lot of media outlets then. Whereas today, it's like literally anyone could put something out on TikTok. It could go viral and everybody could believe it just because they have some evidence or a strong case against it. And anyone can make anything that looks um, professional yeah. and looks like news. Yeah. I've, I've fallen for this so many times where it's yeah. like someone, there's like people that make fake news, um, not the hashtag fake news thing. Right, like the but onion? Like th they, yeah, they like actually make fake newscast clips and mm -hmm. they're like very convincing and like if you don't really know what to look for or look hard enough, they will fool you. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, That made me, oh, it makes me think of New Girl when Nick is like, the moon landing's fake. And Jess is like, the moon landing is not fake. And he's like, the shadows are off. And she's like, people Photoshop those as a joke. And he's like, the, the shadows are off. The shadows are yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So you can't just change the shadows. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do they start? Um, I read two articles. One was by like Psychology Today, and the other was just like an extended version of the Britannica definition. So that's where these are coming from. If anyone wants to fact check me, fact, fact, fact. check me. Uh, conspiracy theories are driven by a human desire to make sense of social forces that are self-relevant, important, and threatening. So Mm. basically humans hate being out of control. And so people come up with things that would explain something bigger than a terrorist attack that people just hate America enough to crash a plane into it, which it's interesting because some conspiracy theories you're like, I can see this. I can see how this has validity to it. But mm-hmm. the way they start is that people, like a pandemic, that seemed like right now, it's so out of our control that people think it has to be created by somebody, which is just kind of crazy. That's crazy to me to think that like, it's easier for us to believe that there's a person or person's group that hates us enough to like wipe out the population rather than just like infections and diseases evolved and someone right. ate a bat. Yeah. It's easy. Okay. It's, I've always thought that was funny too, that people tend to, how many people are we going to annoy or make angry with this episode? Yeah. We'll see how many listens we have. See after. How many conspiracy theorists <laughs> there are in our audience, but yeah. it's always been interesting to me how so many people would rather believe something that seems ridiculous versus like the obvious, like, uh, I don't know, maybe a new virus just happened Mm -hmm. to me. That seems way more plausible than like an entire multinational group of people like plotting. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm, I don't want to open the can of worms, but the people that think that it's actually just fake. Yeah. Like there's no such thing. That'd be a, a huge logistical undertaking. Don't you think? I agree. And history has proven that like the bubonic plague happened, the Spanish flu well before someone could like use chemical warfare against like a whole mass amount of people mm-hmm. that it's like viruses mutate. Well, there are also folks that believe that it's just made up like no one there's not even a virus that was manufactured it's just like it's all in our heads that like the media is making it up like there are pockets oh i see yeah there are pockets of the of the united states specifically that like have never been affected by it yeah or you know no one in a in a community even knows anyone that has like had it firsthand Mm -hmm. so it's it's not that big of a leap for those people to be like, well, is this even real? Like it's not even affecting my life. Is this just like, you know, made up. So there's like two camps of the COVID deniers. There's, or like the COVID conspiracy theorists. One of them is that it was like manufactured Mm -hmm. as a, you know, um, either accidentally or on purpose, a virus was manufactured. There's the other camp that thinks that there's no virus Mm -hmm. and that it's completely made up. Mm Mm-hmm. And none of those people believe that it could have just been happenstance. Yeah. So that's how that one happens. <laughs> uh, right. Like I said earlier. 
I've also always wondered, we don't have to talk about this for too long, but I want to get this off my chest. Yeah. I've always wondered like, what good does it really do to like sit in your own home and figure out like how something started? Mm. Like the, like if I was someone who is really, really concerned about coronavirus, I don't know that it is very all that productive for me to like really try to solve the mystery of like where it started and like who leaked it or like all this. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I like I've gotten into some like heated debates and conversations with people about this that feel very strongly one way about like how it started or where it originated. And I just don't understand why it matters because yeah, regardless of that. Yeah. We're dealing with it now. Yeah. So I feel like there's more productive ways to like use my time. Do you think it's because people feel out of control and so they're trying to be like, okay, well, at least I know how it happened or why I it guess. happened. I guess, but I, like I'm, I'm someone who likes to feel in control mm-hmm. and I, I have never really had the, uh, like the desire or I'm trying to think of the the better word that I'm trying to say. But I've just never really felt um, led to like try to get to the bottom of like how things started. I've I more so try to be in control of the circumstances that are in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that like developing a scapegoat in my brain uh, for me to believe helps me like grasp the situation any better. Um, I think just like understanding how it affects me now is really what helps me, you know, feel like I am in control, but Mm -hmm. I guess maybe, maybe that means I'm not as like addicted to control as some people. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. Maybe. So moving on. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So how else they start? This is just my kind of like personal idea is that the internet largely starts a lot of them now. Oh yeah. Um, based off the fact that people need that control or that, uh, maybe not even control, but just like the ability to pinpoint that somebody was responsible for this, that it wasn't just random that, which is interesting because like JFK being assassinated has like a person designated for it, but people need to assign it to, No, one person wouldn't be able to do that. Right. But it's like, we see that all the time. People are capable of things like that. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think the internet is so much easier to be validated on the Mm -hmm. internet. Like Mm -hmm. hive mind is so much easier. Like it's, wow. How many times can I say easier in a row? (laughs) But it's way easier to like find a, even a small group of people that you can convince or that genuinely feel the same way as you do instead of like back in the day just going like to work and saying like yeah. here's this controversial idea I have and everybody's yeah. like get out of here with that. like right. <laughs> what are you talking about yeah but yeah. on the internet you know you can post anything to this conspiracy theory subreddit and like mm-hmm. see if it sticks or whatever mm-hmm. and probably will depending yeah, on yeah and if you don't who stick at it. reddit you are very right. Um, so yeah. And then basically it all just comes down to that same thing that people want to reject science 
and mm. don't want to believe um, that randomness could occur and um, that it's easier and more comforting to point a finger at somebody and therefore conspiracy theories serve an important role that they restore a false sense of certainty. Um, yeah. So I thought it was interesting that these articles said that they are uh, very much associated with the motivated rejection of science because <laughs> that directly relates to like the pandemics and mm. act anti-vaccinations and things like that, mm -hmm. which based off our podcast, I feel like people could loosely deduct how I feel about those things. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing about, so I just read this literally before we started recording about um, the pandemic and someone posted and they said on Facebook, you can't wear masks and do the things the CDC is do saying because science doesn't even know like the effects. And it's because I want to tell people it is because the virus has not even been around long enough to have a pool of information to pull from. Right. Yeah. This, this point bothers me a lot too. Um, because um, my blood pressure is high right now. My I know I'm trying like <laughs> really hard to just like stay collected because I, I, I genuinely like I don't want to offend anyone because I think yeah. there is a line and I think we'll get to this, but I think there is a line between like healthy skepticism and asking questions and just like being a sheep and doing whatever yeah. anyone says to do. But yeah, in terms of like the virus thing um, in a state of unknown, in a state of like, you know, variability to me, it seems like it makes more sense to err on the side, on the conservative side, not like, not like conservative versus liberal politically, mm -hmm. but like in terms of risk mitigation, the conservative side being like, well, I don't really know how this transmits. Mm -hmm. There's a, which like, we do have a really good idea of it now, but at the be very beginning, mm -hmm. we don't know how this transmits. Um, so let's kind of go back to basics here. If it's airborne, a mask may help. If it's surface transmitted, gloves and like washing your hands like a crazy mm -hmm. person may help, you know? Mm -hmm. Those things by themselves, I don't think they really cause any more harm. Like mm -hmm. me, there people are always arguing that like if you're washing your hands all the time, then it's going to ruin your immune system. I don't know if that, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I really don't know if that can happen over the course of like a few weeks while we're, or like a few months while we're like trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, and the I'm thing like with the masks, still licking dirt. So <laughs> right, and calm down. And the thing with the masks, people make the same argument that like me wearing this mask, um, you and I had a conversation about this weekend where folks are saying that the masks like is hurting their health because it makes it hard to breathe or like they can't operate for eight hours a day wearing a mask. But then there's the question of like, what about nurses and surgeons that have like 14 hour surgeries and they're wearing mm -hmm. a mask the whole time, you know? So every day, day after day, I think my hot take on this is a lot of people will develop these theories just to, um, be able to limit discomfort in their own lives or like inconvenience, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't want to spoil too many of my good points that I saved up for the end, but like <laughs> at what point do we just, can we just accept that you're not an expert? And like, when do we just start to listen to the experts? Mm. And I don't understand, like, obviously it's frustrating to hear, like, 
if the CDC or the WHO or whatever um, goes on air and is like, yep, turns out we were wrong about these masks this whole time. They don't do anything. Um, sorry. What is the harm? Like what harm did that cause to you personally? People, yeah. people have gotten so upset um, every time that like the guidance changes or mm-hmm. that we seemingly learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and understandably, because I think there was a bit of information suppression at the beginning of all this. So yeah. it, it is kind of the knee jerk reaction to be like, well, how long did you know that before you told us? Yeah. So I, I do get that, but it is an ever changing issue. And that's yeah. the case with like a lot of these things. And I think, I think these theories really do stem, like you said, from a place of like uncertainty where like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stirring mm-hmm. and anxiety and you know, that that's, that's always kind of the breeding grounds for a lot of dangerous uh, thoughts and actions. I think yeah. where um, kind of your first gut reaction is the one that you stick to. So, yeah. Um, like for example, like things being dangerous, the nine 11 is a big conspiracy theory that, uh, the conspiracy theory is that the government, the American government implemented the attacks on the world or the world trade center and the Pentagon Pentagon. Thank you. Um, and because of that, because of the two kind of like camps of the conspiracy theory that it was like uh, the government either did it. So there's like all this questioning the government, which probably hadn't happened in a very long time for like the American population. And mm-hmm. then the second thing is that, oh, well, Muslims and people from like um, Israel, Israel, <laughs> Iraq and Iran are mm-hmm. after us, like that them all as a people group. Collectively, yeah. right. So it creates dangerous thinking of people either one, wanting to rise up against the government, the American government, or two, people being racist and um, thinking a collective people group is like against you because it's in this time of uncertainty of how could this happen? Well, there Mm. has to be a reason and you have to like, that's where those like thoughts come up and... uh, that is a dangerous, I think that's very dangerous to be in. I think, mm-hmm. like you said, it's good to be healthy skeptic and questioning authority and just not just blindly following it because it's authority. Right. Um, but also being like this person who is Muslim, who maybe wasn't even alive when 9-11 happened, hates America, so I'm going to be racist to them. Right. That's stupid. And if you <laughs> think that, like, I'm just going to, that's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's Unfollow a, it's me. A, it's a long uh, leap in logic to assume yes. that like this minority group of hatred filled people uh, speak for an entire demographic of the world. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, people, I think that what you said, um, like, how does this, how could this happen? I think a lot of people do think that mm-hmm. like, even in regards to this pandemic, like, how could something like this happen in like today's day and age where, you know, Mm -hmm. we're so supposedly so far, so much further ahead than we were when the, you know, Spanish flu and the bubonic plague and these other big pandemics happened. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I'm not trying to say that like, it's bad to like feel anxious. Like, I don't think you, 
you should just like something terrible should just happen and you should just roll over and say, well, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's definitely a valid um, reaction to try to, you know, make sense of things for yourself. But I also think that people in general just need to be more logical and we'll get into this. I'll let us move on here after this point. But yeah, (laughs) um, you know, I, like I, I just keep saying it, it's good to like test things, but also um, don't just like commit to an idea just because you've spent a bunch of time on it. Like it is okay mm-hmm. to change your mind. I think sometimes, yeah. I think sometimes people get married to their ideas, um, especially if they've been fighting for it for a while. And mm-hmm. I think that's true of conspiracy theorists. Like, well, I've really leaned in to this wild thing. And I, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't really know any like diehard conspiracy theorists, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. just based on like basic psychology, I'm guessing there are some who have come to a realization that they're wrong, but because yeah. they've been kind of like accepted into this group of people that all think the same way about something that they're very passionate about, they're probably afraid to like get out. Mm-hmm. or admit that they were wrong about something. So um, just know that we support changing your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that we can is, move on. That Well, that was actually in the Psychology Today like article that I... Uh, they did a test group of people and they had them watch like all these different things and blah, 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 blah. And basically the conspiracy theorists uh, would not accept any fact outside of theirs because that the the arguments against the conspiracy theory directly they said enforced it that there's because there's an argument this actually has to be true and it's like just this overwhelming like Mm. gaslighting of almost themselves and like the information that like to enforce this thought process well so to some degree it becomes like a pivot like a cornerstone of their identity Yeah. You know, like, have you ever met like a casual conspiracy? Like you and I sometimes (laughs) pretend like we're these casual conspiracy theorists. And I I guess there are some just maybe skeptics is what I would call them about certain things. But like in terms of a diehard, someone who believes in a conspiracy or, you know, um, you know, one of these things that we've examples that we've given before, they're not very casual. (laughs) Uh, no. that, that kind of becomes the thing that they are known for. Yes. And I think in general, it's just hard for people to, whether consciously or subconsciously, just really hard for people to let go of something that has become such a identity point for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like anytime, anytime like people of faith are challenged in general, they become really defensive, right? Mm-hmm. The reason for that probably is because they're afraid of being proved wrong and then they have to rethink their entire life or, yeah. you know, realizing that something is not as they had thought. Um, yeah. And instead of just moving forward with that, it's, you know, it, it's not a trivial thing. So I get it. Very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So do you think um, that conspiracy theories can be more prevalent in seasons of life or like in seasons of history? So like there are people who think the Holocaust didn't happen. Did they? That's think, more now. I don't think yeah. then people thought that. I, that's more now people are thinking that, which is stupid because there's people that are still alive that were there. It's, beca- it's because of all these new generations. <laughs> yeah, we need to stop having you know? kids. <laughs> right. 
Uh, yeah, I do. Th- I, I do think that they are more prevalent in certain seasons. Um, I would be interested to know if they're more prevalent in certain seasons, like past a certain point. You mm-hmm. know, like I have a I have a pretty hard time thinking that like anybody during the Holocaust during you know that period yeah. of time was like really saying that it didn't happen. Um, yeah. I could be wrong about that, so you know, let me know if I'm wrong about that. I guess, but <laughs> I think in today's day and age, it's like it's such a popular thing to like publicly question things on the internet, just to like mm-hmm. get a rise out of people. And mm-hmm. I, my fundamental, my fundamental conspiracy theory about conspiracy theories, <laughs> okay, or my theory about conspiracy theories, is a lot of them start as jokes mm-hmm. or as just like someone saying something. Um, that is in their head, just like super ridiculous. Like, how could anyone believe this? I'm going to say it as a joke. Yeah. And then someone else is like, starts to connect dots to like validate mm-hmm. and and bring truth to it. I have no evidence to suggest that that's actually true, but that's um, the way that I, you know, try to have control over conspiracy theories because I feel like they're <laughs> running my life. But yeah, yeah, I, I do think like especially now, I in the last like year or two. I have heard so many conspiracy theories about, mm-hmm. you know, people plotting against the government, about people inventing a disease and like theories mm-hmm. about things that have come up from, you know, years past. And I think it's because in the last four years, like especially in America, things have seemed fairly rocky just mm-hmm. in terms of the political climate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I ha- I had never been really old enough or mature enough to pay attention to what was happening in the world until like the last four years or so, just cause that's when I've effectively have been an adult, <laughs> but I've always wondered like one, I've always wondered if the, if the nation has been as divided as it's been in recent years and two, like if anxiety and paranoia have been as big of an issue as they have in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think those two things, like when you feel like, when there's a lack of sense of unity and there's a sense of paranoia and anxiety, that's where a lot of this stuff kind of crops up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think specifically right now during the pandemic, a lot of people just have a lot more time to sit around on their phones and like, (laughs) yeah. um, Either get brainwashed or brainwash themselves or brainwash other people. Um, And just, people have a lot more time to kind of sit around and ask questions and entertain some thoughts that maybe they would have never thought of before, not even just relating to the pandemic, but just everything, you know, Yeah. sit around and watch the news or even not on the, on the news, just like on social media. It's so hard to like not see something controversial. Yeah. Um, And you you, can click some random obscure site, which takes you to another random obscure site. Oh yeah. It's never hard to get stuck in a rabbit hole. Like no matter, no matter what the, the thought or the theory is like, um, there's a lot of loud voices recently. So yeah, I definitely think there are kind of ebbs and flows of it. Like I think, uh, just in terms of American history, there was a period of time where, um, there was a, like a large sense of unity and pride in being Mm -hmm. American, or at least that was like the general census. Um, Mm -hmm. so I feel like maybe then there was less constant questioning of authority or like what the, what the government was planning or whatever. Um, but right now I I definitely don't think that's the case. So, or do you think it was more just like 
if you question patriotism, like you were a mole because people thought that there was, I mean, there actually was Russian like moles. So if you like questioned right. American patriotism, it was like, oh, you're a mole or you're this or you're that. And now it's definitely much more like, well, why are you just blindly believing these things? Like, look at how racist our country is built on. Like, look at how misogynist, right. like there's these, there's these big movements that are kind of shaking that structure. People were indoctrinated into mm -hmm. because there was very real threats from like the Cuban Missile Crisis, right. the Russian like infiltration of, I listened to a podcast that said that like, there's still like sleeper, like Russia, Russian sleeper, like agents yeah, assimilated probably. into our community. And that, mm -hmm. that like, that's just crazy to me, but I feel like that we probably can, have some over there too, though. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't that, think like I don't think the idea of espionage and like covert operations is anything new. That's definitely no. a real thing. Like it's not. Yeah. yeah. So, but that became very much a conspiracy. But I, the podcast I listened to was actually that Russia planted those facts. It's called disinformation, which we could do a whole episode on it because um, mm. of how interesting it is. Um, but basically what people then started to believe was just lies that the Russian government like leaked and they were just pushing enough that people just started believing them. Yeah. And that's the same thing with conspiracy theories is that it just gets said enough, mm -hmm. like and enough people start to really kind of talk about it that it's just like all of a sudden there. Right. And the article I read said something that's interesting about conspiracy theories that other theories don't really have is that they're all kind of interwoven together. Like you mm. can't have one of these conspiracy theories without the other. Um, and that they're kind of like, if you disproved one, it would be very easy to disprove the like web of right. theories that they're all built on, um, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Because um, they've been being built for, cent like not centuries, but like decades. Like right. It could start with like the JFK thing. Well, people now believe that JFK Jr. is alive and he is actually behind Trump, like puppeteering all of this stuff and is going to like cure COVID. And it's like the reason JFK was assassinated is like tied to this. And it's like, those are like decades worth of conspiracy theories that are right. still like very much in people's brains right, right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a thought. Oh yeah, when you were talking about like disinformation, I think about that a lot too. Like how much how much of it has been like a maybe this is another conspiracy theory. But <laughs> how much of it has been kind of orchestrated to detract people's attention from something else more important? Mm -hmm. You know, and the other point the other thing, other thought that I had was there have been a lot of things recently kind of like the curtains being pulled back on some like wild things of our past or mm -hmm. um, like the Black Lives Matter movement and just, you know, the, the misogyny and like all these things that have kind of been an American tradi tradition, un yeah. unfortunately. Um, in the recent years, like it's never really been it's never really been a secret, but in recent years, people are becoming a lot more aware of it. And so I think it's a lot more natural now to be like, okay, well, what, what, what other things do we have going on that like people are becoming blind to or yeah. 
people are pretending to be blind to. So I want, I do wonder a lot about like, especially in our case now of like an election year and all these like important things going on, how much of it has been like, well, let's just get them talking about this instead, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, because we talk about bandwidth a lot. And this was one of my other points was like, does it really have any benefit to like really get engaged in all these theories? Um, like I, I just think in general there, I'm thinking on the spot, which is not a thing I'm great at. If you can't tell, um, I do think that there's a, a good line or like there's merit to being skeptic, skeptical to a point. Um, but I just don't know like how worth it it is to use your bandwidth, like just always like trying to think of the next way that the world is plotting against you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely where I'm trying to go with this is it's definitely detracts your attention from like, I don't know, <clears throat> making an informed voting decision, like doing, mm-hmm. doing research on like things that you, that actually matter to you, like, social issues and doing research on all these important things that could help you like make a decision on something. Um, instead of doing that, you're like scouring the internet on proof of this idea that you have so that you can convert your friends or like prove to your Mm -hmm. friends that you're right about this one thing. Um, maybe there's more important things to be doing or thinking about. Yeah. So like, what do you think about the people who choose to not vaccinate? And I feel like there's kind of two camps. There's people that are like, I chose to not vaccinate and that's it. And then there are people who are like, I chose to not vaccinate and this is who I am and you will know and you shouldn't also. And it's like this very pushy thing. Like that's something that probably really affects them and they believe Mm -hmm. it affects their health and their children's health. So like, do you think for that sake, it's better spent just like being in the first camp, like this is what I choose to believe. So this is how I will raise my family and do my thing as opposed to this is what I choose to believe. And the world needs to know that this is what's happening. Well, I think in terms of just like, yes, I I think it's better to be in the first camp. Um, (laughs) If you're going to be in either of them, (laughs) but I'm not saying that just specific to this one issue. I'm thinking, I'm saying this in terms of like most like controversial things. Like (laughs) I really don't see the point, and maybe it's because, like, admittedly, maybe it's because I've never felt strongly enough about something to really, like, try to change other people's mind about it. Mm-hmm. Like, in general, my personality is, like, this is what I believe. I, I I subscribe to this with, like, politics, with religion, with, like, anything that is, like, remotely controversial um, or may ruffle fe- feathers. I just, you know, keep it inside of me because, to me, <laughs> the only person it affects is me or, like, my immediate life or family, you know, mm-hmm. um, my girlfriend and I have recently like, just because we've been dating for a long time, you know, we like casually talked about like, what do you think about vaccinating your kids? You know, we had talked about it before and we're, you know, <laughs> felt one way. And then we've talked about it recently and like, we've kind of just been having a conversation about it. And the reason that I feel comfortable or like, I feel obligated to talk about things with her is because like, you know, it could matter with someone like Mm -hmm. that. But for me to like get on the internet 
and like <laughs> shout into the void about yeah. how I feel one way or another about some issue, I think is counterproductive. I don't think, you know, mm-hmm. it does any good and I don't know that it really matters. But like I said, this this totally could just be an issue of Your my own of just like not feeling convicted enough about anything in particular. But um, But I think that you are like you're very strong opinionated. Yeah, like, true. So like I think if you felt passionately about something and you saw, but maybe it is just because I only hang out with you when we're at home. Like I'm never with you when <laughs> sure. we're like in a random group of people talking about politics. Oh, I I won't do it. Yeah. I or like just anything won't do controversial. It. <laughs> unless it was like us talking about conspiracy theories as like kind of a joking matter or like right. You know, whatever. Yeah. Because we did that. We talked about conspiracy theories this weekend and it was very lighthearted, I would say. Yeah. Like we weren't like kind of doing bits and Yeah. 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 And we were like, this could be possible, but it's probably not. Right. And I will talk Um, about things with people that I trust and like um am close to. Like I have kind of a small group of friends that I will like I will openly disagree with them, which I think is mm-hmm. the important distinction about politics. Like I've never been one to just like kind of all like sit around and talk about the same things and agree all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if it's just like a, a random group of casual friends, like I'm not going to bring up like, so what do you, what do you feel about abortion today? <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> that's a pretty yeah. personal, that's a personal thing for me, but there are not people that are that way. But um, to go back to your example, like, I personally feel like there's there's flaws with both sides of of your coin that you've painted of like the camp that is really outspoken about the thing and there's the camp that's really kind of casual about the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like both both camps could stand to like redirect some of their energy into like doing doing effective research. And I know mm-hmm. this does kind of contradict my earlier point of like, does it do any good to just spend your bandwidth on all this? But the conversation that I had with my girlfriend a month ago or whatever, it inspired me to, you know, I didn't want to feel like I was in a place of just not knowing and then just like doing something blindly or like mm-hmm. accepting some side blindly. So I started to like do a lot of research and, like actual research and the difference between actual research and just like saying you do research is like looking up like, um, actual papers, like scientific research on Mm -hmm. sources that aren't like anecdotal Instagram stories, you know? Um, yes, I do know. (laughs) (sighs) I don't really know where I was going with that point other than just to say that like, you can be super outspoken about things and loud about things. And just because there's a lot of other people that feel the same way doesn't necessarily make it true. And just because you read a lot of things on Instagram doesn't make it true either. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge problem with anecdotal evidence, which um, basically just means that like, so an anecdote is like, I experienced this. That's my evidence for it. Okay. Um, so there are a lot of people, especially like, and I, I'm not going to like just talk about um, vaccinating your kids as like, you know, what I think about it, but there are a lot of people on the internet that have had experiences that would lead you to believe um, that there's a direct correlation between vaccinating your children and developmental um, 
issues. Mm-hmm. But for me, like if it were me and I saw something on Instagram and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I just kept seeing more things on Instagram. I wouldn't just take that as the truth. I'd be like, mm-hmm. well, these people on Instagram <laughs> have all experienced <laughs> this. So that makes it true. And there's, there's plenty of things that like in your normal life that you wouldn't do that with. Right. But yeah. I think some things are provocative enough to where you're like, well, seems like a lot of work to do like the actual research. And then <laughs> and that also the research that also predicates that you would like, quote unquote, blindly accept these scientists. And that's where I wanted to bring up this point of like, at what point do we just accept that we can't be experts and mm-hmm. accept the guidance that experts are giving us? And like, yes, I think this this kind of will satisfy both points that I've been coming to is like the line between healthy skepticism and paranoia and also this experts thing, because mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm genuinely asking you like, where do we strike the balance? Okay. Where do we strike the balance there? I don't, I don't know because I have been through therapy because of like paranoia and like a detachment from reality. Mm. So I have a very hard time actually with conspiracy theories that, um, what, so there is this thing going around called the pyramid of conspiracy theories. And it's funny because it is just like somebody made it up. (laughs) There's like really not a lot of science in it, but it's, it's pretty accurate. I would say like there's ones that detach you from reality and some that are kind of grounded, quote unquote grounded in reality Mm -hmm. that are like very harmless, like, um, a big tobacco and cancer that like the smoking industry, like big tobacco is pushing this because, uh, they get money from cancer, blah, Mm. blah, blah. Mm. Like for me, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And that affects no reality because you can stop smoking and then you're not affected. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. In its simplest form. Yes. Yes. So for me, for example, I got on this rabbit hole of TikTok and I do not recommend getting on conspiracy theory TikTok because it is <laughs> a dark and deep place. You could also stand to just not get on TikTok probably. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got on it and because the videos are a minute long, you just scroll right to the next one and then right to the next one. And I had spent like two hours just watching this and my skepticism and like healthy questioning of watching this one video quickly turned into a very full-blown dissociative episode for me where I did not know where I was or like who I was or what was real. And I had believed that Stefan was like a government plant and like he had to sit me down and be like, why... Why would the government be after you though? Like, it's yeah, not that you're not special, say, but you're not important. I was like just gonna that. say you must think pretty <laughs> highly of yourself to think that. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard for me to know what the line is because my boundary is probably mm. a lot closer to the sidewalk than somebody else's is gonna be, just because of my mental health. And um it's easy for me to let it run away from me and be very paranoid. So Yeah. I think you also have to be careful of that because I know people um, that have gotten like hooked, quote unquote, hooked on conspiracy theories right? and could not leave their house because they're stuck on the computer right. researching and they're like, it's like almost this just like overtaking of like, I don't know what it is. It really does feel like it like latches onto you almost. Right. Well, I think there's something to like... 
there's something to feeling like you're not in the know. Mm-hmm. You know, no one likes to feel like they're behind yeah. in understanding anything or like behind, you know, the trend or whatever. So, and I think a lot of the theories are provocative enough for you to like be, they are like genuinely thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think for me, I can kind of skirt the line probably more than you can because, um, my brain is so logical. Like mm-hmm. I, I really do enjoy like hearing a theory and kind of testing it, you know, and like um, throwing some logic at it or doing some research or whatever mm-hmm. and coming to a conclusion. Um, but I think, like you said, there are some people who can just kind of get caught up in it and run away with, and it will run away with them Yeah, rather. Um, but yeah, I like the, my point was there is something that is genuinely interesting about it. And I've had to be careful about it too, because like I will get sucked into them just for the sake of like wanting to know something or wanting to know something new, or even just for the sake of like trying to solve a puzzle and the puzzle could be, is this true or not? Right. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, and that's kind of what I was saying about like, it can just distract you from actual like living your life. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I personally, um, like in recent, basically within the last couple of weeks, um, I have, I have like basically no tolerance for conspiracy <laughs> theory talk because I just think that especially right now, like I said before, where people in general tend to have a lot more time to just kind of like sit around on their phones, you know, if they're, yeah. if they're being forced to not really have a social life anymore, which is really what's happening to a lot of people. They have a lot more time to kind of just like get sucked into these theories. And at a certain point, um, once, once you get to the point where you don't believe the experts anymore, mm-hmm. I think that is when you are full blown down on the slippery slope because yeah. this is, this is when like a lot of pillars of your understanding start to just unravel and you start mm-hmm. to question everything and once yeah. you start to question everything, um, there is someone on the internet that has a theory for why that one thing isn't isn't real, you know? Yeah. And so that's why I think it'd be really dangerous um, once you you start to say, well, that, you know, they're just out to get us here. So like, why wouldn't that be true here? And then you spend your yeah. whole life trying to like, trying to solve the puzzle of humanity or of existence through all these theories. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we should should just live. Yeah. It's totally debilitating. And for people that have like anxious tendencies or like paranoid tendencies, it's even, even more dangerous. And I, like I, I struggle with anxiety quite a bit. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's really no secret to anyone who knows me that well, um, or even knows me that casually (laughs) that I'm like pretty high strung. And so it's easy for me to like work myself up about just anything. And the, the mm-hmm. thing that I latch on to is the idea of like, there's people out there that know something that I don't know. And mm-hmm. if they know it, like they're going to like, and I don't like to be left out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get anxious about that. Like to the point, I think I've talked about this before on this podcast, but like the multi-level marketing schemes, like mm-hmm. I've gotten really, it's made me like at one point in my life, it made me aggressively unhappy sitting at my sitting in my room thinking that there's this group of people that have this like financial freedom that I will never mm-hmm. know because they're like this shadow secret group like it didn't click to me that it was all a sham to me mm-hmm. it, it was this idea of like they know something I don't know 
Mm-hmm. So, and that has, that has been true for me with a lot of these theories too. Like I got, I got really sucked into the nine 11 is fake thing for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, just because I was interested in like some of the scientific arguments against it. This was like mm-hmm. the heat of my engineering studying yeah. when I was starting to get into this and I was starting to think, think critically about like the material properties of like the steel beams and like all these yeah. things. And, uh, that that can cons- it really did consume me for a while. I didn't really ever talk about it to anyone because I I kind of tried to talk about it with our dad once and it did not go well. <laughs> yeah, I think I was there for that. And I was just like, and I think that that moment actually sobered me up a little bit to like. And to be fair, I do think some of those theories have a little bit of merit. Yeah, um, they all have merit. That's why they right, stand. Right, but. I realized that I, I, my talents were probably uh, better spent solving other problems than, yeah, <laughs> than arguing than with my family about nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's pretty much how MLMs make their money is because they prey on people's insecurities for things mm-hmm. like that, and yep. um, that's probably how conspiracy theories can bring other people in. Like a cult. <laughs> like yeah. you say, like you didn't like the idea of someone knowing something. Like I'm not trying to like rag on anti-vaxxers. It's just like this one fits the best. That right. like if somebody who is an anti-vaxxer conspiracy theorist, which is that like the government, you know, is controlling population and all of or that big, too. The big pharmacy big argument pharma, is a big one too. Yeah, yeah. Or that like, it's causing all of these developmental issues um, and mm-hmm. that's actually not very good for you. There's like a bunch of them. But if that's your camp that you fall in and you're telling somebody else about it, somebody could feel like, well, I didn't know this and I don't want to be like a victim of right. this non- non-knowledge that's not out there to us. And like you have to hear about it through the like which it's like very common now. You can just do a quick Google search. Yeah, it's, it's, everywhere. it's a really well-known yeah, but like any of these other ones that are starting to pop up about like JFK, like I heard it, um, an interview of somebody at a a uh, gra- gathering of people. I won't name where or what. <laughs> Smart. Uh, they were talking about like this new JFK Jr. conspiracy. And if I was somebody who wasn't like constantly on the internet and didn't know about it, I'd be like, well, what's that? Right. Yeah. You feel a little left out and you do want to know about it. So you Google it. And then like six hours later, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're reading about like the new world order and that there's like people sacrificing children mm-hmm. and there's like the Justin Bieber conspiracy theory. And it just quickly unravels mm-hmm. until you're like me and you're just like, I, am I even real? Right. Am I even? It's all a simulation anyway. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I've had to start being kind of like you. Like, so our friend Luke is, uh, I wouldn't say he's a conspiracy theorist, but he loves to like know about him. Right. I think he's like you. He likes to be informed. He likes to know the information. Mm-hmm. And there's just like something about talking about it. It's. I mean, they're fun. Like I'm not, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to argue the fact that they're not fun. Like I used to, yes. <clears throat> I still like just the other day <clears throat> I got sucked into this like thread about Mothman. <laughs> I heard you talking about like, that. Like I yeah. get super into them just because they're like it. It's fun to like think about things in a different way for someone like yes. me. So uh, yeah, I get it. But 
Yeah. So he brought up this conspiracy theory about national parks. And he's like, well, I wasn't going to tell you before you left for your trip. And I was like, well, that was good. (laughs) And he was telling us this theory. And normally when someone would tell me something like that, that could directly affect me, I have learned those detach me from reality. And it probably would have detached me really quickly. But something that was good in that moment is I was with a group of people that were questioning the conspiracy theory. Like had he have told me by myself, I would have been like, this is what's going to happen to me on our trip or this will happen next time I leave. But I had enough people that are Enneagram fives that want to push back and know more information about things Mm. and say, that doesn't seem right. And Stefan was there who was just like, he doesn't believe anything. (laughs) (laughs) He has every drop of information. Mm. And that challenged me to ask the questions too, that like, yes, there is a pile of information that points to one thing, but could that just be all it is? Why does it have to be something specific? Why can't it just be random? Mm. Like, why could, you know, it like challenged me to think that like, not everything is out to get me specifically. Cause I feel like that's what conspiracy theories do. They pinpoint you as like the government's coming after you or like, right. Yes. This like yes. Illuminati's coming after you. Right. Um, and like, yes, I am special and I'm important, but like I have to tell myself that at 3 a.m. when I think someone's in my house, why would they be in my house? Like what would give them reason? You know, you have to mm-hmm. like start asking if you're going to ask the question about the government or like the question that like, could this be true? You have to also ask the question of, could it also be not true? Right. Like you have to ask both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to do both and be willing to be wrong, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm learning that like, that's not okay. Yeah. If you're going to test the, if you're going to test the status quo, you should also be willing to test like the antithesis of that. Yeah. Like, thank you. I didn't know what the word was. Whatever your conspiracy (laughs) is, you should be willing to test that as critically as you test. Yes. The, uh, path of least resistance, I guess. Yeah. Like look at C.S. Lewis. Like he was an atheist. I was going to say antithesis. Right. (laughs) He was an atheist and his goal was to prove like Christianity was like false Mm -hmm. and he ended up switching over. And that's not what this point of this podcast is, but imagine if he wouldn't have been willing to say, I think I might be wrong not be able to prove this yeah i mean it, it is a similar point though because it's a worldview right mm-hmm. i mean depending on who you are religion mm-hmm. tends to be just is considered a worldview and this is very similar like it, it's the lens that you see the world through um whether it's a a lens that you see the whole world through or a lens that you mm-hmm. see a part of the world through like if you if you find that it's wrong it is it will be jarring and you will have yeah. to adjust the way that you think about things but you know i've always been i i have always been open to these theories just because like i always kind of want to be on the right side like we you know <laughs> kind of incidentally had been talking about that at the beginning of this episode, like I, I just like to know that what I believe is true. And so, (laughs) you know, that's why I I sometimes get sucked into these and I test them a little bit and I think that it's not as good as my last thought. So I'll go back to that one. Yeah. Um, but you know, there have been things that I have changed my mind on and Mm -hmm. I think 
oddly, I think we live in a society right now where people feel like that's not okay. You know, Mm -hmm. like as you grow as a person or as your circumstances change, um, to change your mind on something. Um, I, I'll use the example of politics. Like I used to lean one way when I was younger and when I was, Mm -hmm. you know, really ingrained into the church and like, I really, you know, hadn't had to endure anything as an adult or um, mm-hmm. everyone I knew w- thought a certain way. And as I became an adult, um, completely, you know, I'm a very different person now than I was when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. Oh, that's and good. <laughs> thought, thought I knew uh, what the world was like back then. So I know that's a bad example because there's a lot of time and a lot of things that have happened between then. But I think in general, like people are afraid to accept that like their mind can change about things. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I don't like to live under like in delusion or like convincing Mm -hmm. myself that something is true just for the sake of like not having to change my mind. So that's your five coming in. Am I a five? Full five. Yeah. What are you? What are you? I'm a six, which you're the questioning authority. Unhealthy six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which has been an issue in my life. <laughs> yeah. And that breeds a great breeding ground for conspiracy theory and like paranoia. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say you, you probably, cause you, you've mentioned a few times how like you always question authority. Yeah. I'm sure that contributes to some degree. I don't. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been, yeah. Making sure I, I don't let those parts of my brain run wild. Yeah. Well, that's wise. Yeah. Good for you. I'm Therapy happy. helps with that. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I mean, I think we could keep going, but we have to save stuff for next year. So Yeah, next Halloween. I, I yeah. really do hope um, that we didn't offend anyone. You know, we kind of gave some some perspectives on some some current theories or I think even some people take strong offense to being told that the way that they view something is a conspiracy theory. Um, yeah. So, you know... We're not trying to offend anyone. I just, you know, wanted to speak truthfully about the way I feel. So exactly, yeah. Maybe I didn't need to say that, but that's okay. I wouldn't have slept at night tonight if I hadn't. So that's my yeah. disclaimer. It's fine. <laughs> at the end of the episode, now that they've clicked off. Well, I can I can put that at the beginning. Oh, okay. I won't. <laughs> I don't care. I do care. I don't care. Anyway, let's let's move it's on. Fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Okay, so uh, every week Jake and I do a go-to for the week. So Jake, what is your go-to this week? My go-to this week is Abercrombie and Fitch. Finch? Fitch? Whatever. Fitch. That brand that everyone used to wear in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some killer jeans and I have to give oh. credit to, I think that's what brand they are. I have to give credit to my girlfriend for turning me on to these. Um, I used to be you know, diehard American Eagle jeans guy. Um, I switched over to Gap. Didn't like them as much, you know. Um, But American Eagle, they're really playing into like the ripped up jean, like acid wash Mm -hmm. thing, which is just not Mm -hmm. my style. I'm all all for just like the clean, no like Mm -hmm. jewels or gems or tears (laughs) or anything on my jeans. Um, But I also like the comfort and I like like the cut, more modern cut jeans. So... Um, Lauren told me to go check out A&F and I went over there and found some jeans that I love. And yeah, for me, that is a huge deal because I love wearing jeans. It's um, true. I had he been with in jeans. 
whatever. <laughs> I had been without a quality <laughs> pair of jeans for a long time just because I haven't had any reason to like go outside or anything, leave my house and look presentable. So I got two pairs. The only thing that I will say though, and this isn't just specific to them. I noticed this at American Eagle also. Um, once again, and if you go back and listen to our, we did an episode about like being frustrated about how things fit or like yeah. sizing or whatever. Once again, they have changed the entire way that jeans work. Okay. So I used to be, <laughs> before this year, I guess, I used to be a slim fit guy and it fit great. It had the right taper. You know, sometimes I would go yeah. slim taper, rarely ever dipped my toe in the skinny jeans thing. It was just a little <laughs> too painted on for me. I've got kind of big legs, I've got a big butt. Um, it was too much. So now I go to f- shop for these jeans. First at American Eagle, it happened. I, I put on slim. They fit like relaxed fit. I put mm. on skinny. They fit like straight fit. And I'm just oh. like, dang, American Eagle, what is going on? I got frustrated. Yeah. And that's when Lauren told me to go check out Amber Crombie. Abercrombie, whatever. Amber Crombie. Um, so I went over there. Uh, same thing. And they had a chart on their wall of uh, skinny fit was like their least slim. They had straight fit, relaxed fit, whatever. And then skinny fit, uh, super skinny fit, extra skinny fit. And I'm pretty sure there's like an ultra skinny fit. Which is like the tight. Right. So ultra skinny is what skinny used to be. What? Super skinny is what like a, (laughs) like a, a pretty slim slim fit or like extra skinny is what basically like I don't know it's so confusing I had to try on so many jeans so now I am technically an extra skinny fit guy which like is bizarre people I know like if you see him on me and you're like normally a relaxed fit guy you'll be like yeah I could see that but trust me that is not that was not my first pick like I started at the very top end thinking it was going to be too tight I don't know what the deal is here, um, but if you're like me, extra skinny fit. If you like a nice taper to your jeans, you're apparently an extra fini- skinny fit these days. I don't, I don't get it, but it's a thing. So that's my only gripe. Otherwise, they're great. They're super comfy. Uh, the fit is great. Um, yeah, no Once complaints. Figure it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was my know. my quick quick hot take on jean fittings. Now, so mm-hmm. what is your go to this week? Um, so I found this new salad recipe. They have recipes for salads. Yes. It hits different. Okay. So the thing about salads for me is I love eating them when I go out or like order a salad because they taste so good or when my mom makes it Mm -hmm. and I never know why. And so then I just never make them at home because it's always just like lettuce and like chicken and like that's it. Yeah. So I found this girl on TikTok and she was making these dope salads. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but it's probably got like a lot of random stuff I don't want to buy. And like, you know, random salad dressings that like I'm going to use once Mm, and like not enjoy. So I looked at the recipe and I was like, oh, okay. That's not that bad. I have most of that stuff. The trick is in the dressing. And people are under seasoning their salads and they're not adding lots of goodies to it. Mm, like what? So I 
So I found a recipe um, for this chicken and it is like pressure cooked and in like the same juices that I'm making (laughs) that I'm making the salad dressing out of. And so then the chicken is like nice and tender and it's like marinated and (laughs) cooked in this exact same like flavor that the salad dressing is in because otherwise when you're making chicken it's kind of like bland you're either just like making like grilled chicken or like pressure cooked chicken and it's like not that great hoping that the dressing is going to do something for you but it doesn't so I do that and then I make the salad dressing and it's like soy sauce and nutritional yeast and olive oil and some apple cider vinegar and like garlic and it's so good it gets nice and thick with two c's and a k And then you add some like pita chips and it's just, I don't know what it is. And you add like, um, Parmesan cheese. And I think maybe it's the salty and the crunchy and you add some avocado. So it's like creamy and Hmm. it's great. And the acidity from the apple cider vinegar cuts through. It seems like a lot of things. No, it's not. (laughs) I make it when I'm hangry and I can still do it. So. Mm. That's my go-to. Interesting. I do like me a good salad. It is probably the best thing I've ever made. I'm in the same boat as you, though. I've made it several times. Every time I make myself a salad, it's terrible because it's like like what you would imagine if a guy tried to make himself a salad. It's like Mm -hmm. I don't even put it in a real bowl. I put it like in a mixing bowl (laughs) and just like dump some spring mix in there and like dump red wine vinegar on it and like some chicken. Yeah. That's it. So no, our, this is so good. Yeah. Our mom does make some bomb salads, but I'll have to yeah. give this a shot. Yes. It's amazing. I'll post the recipe. Deal. All right, guys. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Relatively Relatable. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a review of our show if you haven't already. And if you want to stay connected with us, you can find us on Instagram at Relatively Relatable Pod. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.